When people talk about gangs, they make assumptions about race, about ethnicity, class, and communities. Phoenix so looked into the shooting death of one man and learned that the common assumptions about gangs are wrong on most counts. She learned by talking to the loved ones of one gang member killed last year in Altadena. It's a mild and sunny Saturday afternoon in late November. Richard Walker and I are at Loma Alta Park in Altadena, just north of Pasadena. Children are playing flag football and climbing on the playground equipment. I've asked Richard to show me where his late son Christopher played baseball. It was in the dugout that Richard said his son started to feel the pull of gang life at age five. The kids would, would sit down in the dugout and the guys would influence him. And we didn't know at the time, but it was one of his coaches. We always thought he was talking baseball strategy and whatever else, you know, but he was tech gang talk. Christopher Walker was born and raised in Altadena. Growing up, he loved playing sports like baseball and football and had a talent for learning instruments by ear. Though not a consistently good student, Christopher was smart and developed a passion for debating politics as an adult. According to his best friend, James Taylor, this side of Christopher wasn't one that a lot of people knew. They didn't know him. They didn't know that he could play the piano and the saxophone. Great. Like a real musician. He grew up in the church, so you know that's where he learned how to how to do it. Like every time we go to his house when we was little, we'd have him play the the Tupac melody. And he could play the whole song. Get the saxophone, he better than Lisa Simpson. According to the LA Times, on the afternoon of October 30th, 2014, Christopher stopped at a burger stand on Fair Oaks Avenue. He was on the way to pick up his daughter from kindergarten. While he waited for his order on the patio, a light-colored sedan drove up. The person inside got out and fired several shots at him. Medics rushed him to Huntington Hospital in Pasadena, where he died of his injuries. He was 26. The police believed the shooting was gang-related. When the Walkers first brought their son to Loma Alta Park, gangs were the furthest thing from their minds. His mother, Ursula, was shocked when an employee at the park told her Christopher had joined a gang. And so I was very foolish. I thought Pasadena was the best place, you know, warm and loving. And, and so when she said he joined a gang, I was so confused. And I remember the look that must have been on my face. I said, there's gangs in Pasadena. <laughs> the way his parents tell it, Christopher had two lives, two personalities. He was smart and charismatic. He went to church with his family every Sunday, but he was also drawn to gangs. His mother sent him to middle school in Burbank. She hoped a new neighborhood would keep him safe. But the school kicked Christopher out when they found out he didn't live there. And he came down the hall playing Amazing Grace on the alto saxophone. It was the most beautiful sound, but yet, it was very sad because you have no school to go to. We have no idea what we're going to do with you. And you're playing Amazing Grace. <laughs> Christopher's story raises the question, who is most at risk of joining a gang? And how difficult is it to leave? Karen Hennigan is assistant professor of psychology at USC. She's developed a tool to identify those most at risk of joining an L.A. gang. She says while gang activity appears most in poor, marginalized neighborhoods, 
only 5 to 20% of the children in them actually join. Instead, she identifies nine risk factors. They include poor impulse control, the ability to rationalize guilt, antisocial tendencies, stressful life events, family gang influence, and early delinquent activities and two factors related to a child's peers. One has to do with um, being open, susceptible to negative peer influence. So if, if a group of folks are gonna go do something that you might think, mm, this is a little over the line, would you be one that goes along with it or would you be one that holds back? And the other in that arena has to do with uh, the behavior of your friends. If your friends are beginning to get in trouble, beginning to get involved in crime, and you're continuing to hang out with them, then that's a red flag. Last is weak parental supervision, which Hennigan breaks into two parts. If you ask questions about parents knowing where you are and who you're with, you're both asking, did your parents ask? And you're also asking, did you tell the truth? <laughs> if a child exhibits at least four of these factors, then he needs anti-gang intervention. When it comes to Christopher's story, I especially noticed how peer influence plays a part especially over strong parental supervision. For Chris's friend James, it was what the gang members could buy that attracted him to join. Kids see the grown up 17, 16-year-olds, brand new Jordans, draped in jewelry, pulling out wads of money. And that's, that's all it takes for a kid to see, especially when, you know, your parents, nine times out of ten around here, on drugs, or your grandmother's raising you. That's how, that's how we raised around here. Our grandmother's raised us. Ursula Walker says Christopher never let his real feelings show until after he started getting into trouble. He said, when you guys first took me to the park when I was five, he said I was afraid. He said I was scared of all those boys because of their reaction and the way they spoke. He said I felt like a stranger and I was really afraid. <clears throat> but he said, afterwards, after I got used to it, I began to feel intrigued. And then I felt empowered. He said, because it seemed like people were afraid of those boys. And he said, the fear that, that they projected and that people were, that all these people were kind of afraid of them. He said, the respect that people had for them, it wasn't proper respect but it was still respect. Before his death, Christopher was still in touch with those friends. Chris used to tell me, I'd talk to him about that, and he'd say, well, Mom, you really want me to just abandon my friends? He said, what if I'm telling them something good? What if I'm trying to help them? He said, you wouldn't do that. And I didn't have an answer, you know. But I was always afraid that something would happen, that he would get caught up in something. I didn't think it would be this. I thought maybe he would get caught up in some legal issue because he would get caught with his friends doing something stupid. Richard and Ursula Walker knew Christopher continued to talk to his old gang friends, but they thought he had extricated himself from gang activity. Five years ago, he had moved to Arizona for a fresh start. He came back to Altadena with a girlfriend and a daughter, now five years old. He had a sales job that he excelled at and was determined to support his family. And I think in the end, Chris wanted to consolidate and have one life because gangbangers that I know don't get up at 4.45 in the morning to get ready for work. Just listening to music for hours and hours, talking about how we, just a couple 
days before this happened. Like, we were sitting on the porch. Like, I'm, we both over 25. You 26, I'm 27. We both got kids. You working. I'm selling my phones. We straight. I got my own house. You got your own house. We don't live at home no more. We grown men. We not kids. We men now. I guess I spoke too soon. I spoke too soon. All of this, the experiences, the expert insight, shows that pinpointing a person's risk of joining a gang and whether they can leave is complicated. It goes beyond race, income, or other factors. Christopher Walker's family knows that all too well. Phoenix So, Annenberg Radio News.